Hello podcast listeners and thank you once again for tuning in to the ABC Music Talk podcast, the show for anyone interested in the music industry. This is a special bonus episode inspired by a tweet from my hosting company Sounder. The tweet in question reminded me that I'd missed a few installments of the otherwise biennial updates about running this podcast, while in fact I'd missed a whole year and a half. So staying on the theme of timelines, I actually wrote this episode over a month ago and regular listeners will have seen that there has been a bit of a gap in shows. I'm currently struggling to recalibrate to the world going back to normal after the pandemic lockdowns. Travel has started again, my new home at Beatport has an office I can now attend, and I have a team again to spend some time with, so all in all, I need to find a new rhythm. The point of these episodes is to demonstrate what it's like to run a podcast. In case you're curious about running one yourself, or do, and find it useful to benchmark off. So, less about the music industry and more about podcasting. Which is where the episode begins. Sounder, my hosting company, posted an interesting chart on their Twitter feed, which told me that if I'd had 5,000 streams in the first 30 days of a show going live, then it would be in the global top 10 of podcasts. That's all genres globally. As you'll learn shortly, I'm not even close to that, but the point of the tweet was to focus the mind on what statistics are actually important. As mentioned, I've now done two previous episodes where I've read out some stats, but I've never really known what any of it meant. That's to say, I knew what it meant to my own show's progression, but was it any good? The next stat was interesting. If I'd had 1,300 streams in the first 30 days of a show going live, then I'd be in the top 20 of global podcasts. Now, given that there are 2 million plus shows worldwide, that would be pretty good. Well, I'm not there yet either. As most of you know, I've spent my life in the music industry, and typically, we're now surrounded by some huge numbers in terms of metrics, whether it's the billions of views on YouTube a few artists have now had, or that now over half a million tracks on Spotify have reached over a million streams per track. In short, lots of zeros in those types of figures. So I've had to recalibrate my mind when it comes to podcasting. Over the last 10 episodes, I've had an average of 190 plus streams per episode in the first 30 days, which puts this little niche podcast in the top 50% of global podcasts. To get inside that top 50, you need at least 160 streams in the first 30 days. I have to say, once I realized that, I felt pretty good about what I've been up to. The numbers seem epically small when compared to what I'm normally dealing with in my day-to-day, but as it turns out, things are looking okay for where I'm currently at. I've never really tried to advertise this podcast. I do it completely on my own, other than the guests, of course. And as mentioned, it's a really niche podcast subject matter, all of which contributes to probably the lower numbers. And yes, they are all absolutely excuses. Now, some listeners uh, also may have noticed that I've enabled some dynamic adverts to appear at the beginning uh, or end of the episodes. It seems pretty hit or miss as to when they appear, which is presumably all about what the advertiser wants. So it's not exactly exciting money-wise, but it's an interesting additional measurement for me. I'll tell you more about that in future updates. Also, this episode is the first one I've recorded with yet another new bit of kit. As some of you know, I interviewed the founder of Aston Mics, uh, went ahead and bought three of his Aston Stealth Mics, which then led me down a path to buying more kit. In the one-year update Uh, I tell that story in full, so go and check that out. But in short, it got really expensive. The relevance here is that I ended up buying an analog mixing desk to power the mics. This worked very well, but 
I was recording into the line-in socket on my old Zoom H2, and as a consequence, I always struggled with the sound. So instead, I've upgraded the kit to a Zoom PodTrack 4, which is a very portable four-input desk recording device that actually I can connect that to a phone or a laptop for remote interviews as well, which I hope is going to improve some of those because they seem to be quite commonplace, more so than I thought when I first started doing this podcast. It comes with many of the automatic filters and noise reduction tools that most of the modern podcasting recording equipment has. And I have to say, after using the Rodecaster desk at the Halley, I realized just how hard I'd made it for myself. Uh, It's also knocked two kilograms off the weight of the box of Bix I lug about uh, when doing remote interviews. So a pretty big win all round. Um, As ever, when I make these changes, I hope they will further improve the sound quality of each episode. In the one-year update episode, I picked up on the fact that I'd had a heavy male bias to my listeners, and I wanted to address that by bringing more women onto the show, in the hope that it would attract a better balance gender-wise in my listenership. So let's go back to some of those stats. The stats at 12 months were 66% male and 29% female, uh, 5% of which identify as non-binary or not specified. Now, at that point, I'd had 35 guests on, of which only seven were female, or if you like, 20%. So since then, of the 24 guests, there were 11 that were female, or 46%. So I achieved my goal, kind of, in having nearly an equal split of male and female guests. And the results, when you look at the listenership for that period, are split Uh, 54% male versus 39% female, with 7% non-binary or not specified. So it's not exactly a home run in terms of hitting a totally equal split, but I'd added 10% more female listeners, attracted 2% more non-binary, not specified, and changed the percentage of male listeners to almost half of those tuning in. So it felt pretty good. By the one-year mark, I had recorded 45 episodes. To date, I've now done 66, so only adding 21 episodes in the last year and a half, which is just over an episode a month, which was the rough plan. As a consequence of the lower output, the monthly listeners hasn't really grown much. In fact, it's gone down. Monthly listeners is really impacted by the number of shows you put out. I hope that is self-explanatory. It acts like a direct multiplier. So it's actually gone from 1,000 to just seven or 800 on average monthly listeners. One other aim was to attract a younger audience, and whereas at the one-year mark I'd had 11% in the 18 to 22 bracket, I now have 13%, so an increase of two there. Uh, In the 28 to 34 bracket, I had 28, and it's now at 33, so that's a good 5% increase. So slight slight improvements there, Um, although I presume some listeners have stayed with the show, uh, but of course are now older, so the 35 to 44 age grouping actually went up by 1%, and that's now 25%. But my always favourite stat is where the listeners are based. By year one, that stood at 68, up from 50 by the six-month mark. I've now reached a staggering 80 countries with this little podcast. Uh, It's an all-time now. The UK dips just below the 50% mark, which was previously at 60. Uh, The US is just over 26. So English language is, and always probably will be, a blocker to growing a truly international listenership, unless, of course, some very clever technology comes along uh, that improves this for uh, for podcasters and listeners alike. In fact, a new thing to mention is that the full-length episodes of the podcast are now on YouTube. 
uh, and they come with all the transcriptions, which I hope will help with the growth of the international market because you'll be able to read along as well as listen along, which may be easier. I know some people learn English through music videos, for example, that have the lyrics. I've always had a channel for the podcast, but I've never really uh, pushed it because I only have ever had these uh, the short social promo videos that I make. So it's never really been very content rich. And as a consequence, I've never really pushed for subscribers to the channel. I'm obviously yet to see what difference this will make, uh, but more places the show is available can't be a bad thing. Uh, it is, after all, what I've been preaching in my professional life uh, for the last 20 years or so with the work I've done in digital distribution. In fact, my rather excellent hosting company via the paid-for subscription I took out at the beginning of this year means I have now increased the number of places the show is visible. I'm obviously hoping all of this will start to show some improvement in the listener numbers. A thought that had been brewing for a while is how will my show translate into the metaverse? What will Web3 mean for it? I'm currently involved with some projects in this space at my new home at Beatport, so I will add a layer of research for podcasting sort of on the sly. Uh, so hopefully none of my fellow Beatporters are listening and realise that I'm going to be slightly distracted by that. Uh, but uh, I hope to bring you some thoughts on it soon. There's already one app called uh, Wisdom that I've just joined uh, offering me a token reward instead of fiat currency for my participation, uh, a notion which is now commonplace elsewhere, but clearly an example of the direction of travel for the podcasting industry. I'm going to wrap this episode up with one final stat, and that is the new champion of the most listened to episode of the show. And the new winner is Vaza Weber from Vibrate and his old dog's new tricks episode. I had a feeling that would connect quite well, and to date, over 1,000 people have listened to it after it aired back in December. It's worth noting that this one got picked up by various industry Twitter accounts, which I'm sure helped spread the word. But still, for this podcast, a great achievement. So thank you once again, Vaza. Finally, as ever, a huge thank you to all the guests who have given their time for free to this show. And of course, to my listeners who I do this for. It's great to hear from you in person and online about what you enjoy about it. So please do continue to get in touch. My Twitter and Instagram handles are at Alex Branson or head to the website where you'll find a contact page. Thanks always to my sponsor, Rotor Videos, and the incredible audio assassins who provided the music branding for the show. And if like the show please leave that five-star review on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts